Howdy, and welcome to a bonus episode of Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. Wow, what a last couple of weeks. We had a Category 4 hurricane hit the Texas coast on August the 25th, and that hurricane created a historic rain event for the United States, all of which occurred in the general vicinity of Houston. And I thought that I would spend a little bit of time kind of informing the listeners who aren't around the Houston area and the Port Aransas, Rockport area, what we have been through and uh, where we're headed. Now, throughout this podcast, I've mentioned that I have a lot of personal connections to a lot of the Texas history stories we've covered uh, due to my ancestors being here so long, but this particular Texas history event happened in our time, and that's sort of strange to think about. You're living through um, a historic weather event in Texas. Um, Texas history, actually 50 inches of Texas history, fell right on top of the world headquarters of Wise About Texas. Now, at the outset, let me tell you, I did not personally flood. Thank goodness. was very lucky. Uh, My parents on the northeast side of Houston did, in fact, flood. And many of my friends had their homes flooded. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It is a rare thing that you get to live through a, a historic event. So I just thought that we needed to talk about it and uh, it certainly delayed the production schedule as we watched the rain come down and prepared for what might happen but we're going to get back on schedule here the kids are back in school and things are starting to get back to as normal as they can be given what had happened well let me tell you a little bit about hurricane harvey i mentioned he was harvey was a category four and it passed right over rockport texas in fact um I did an episode a while back on St. Joseph's Island, an island that Franklin Roosevelt visited back in the 30s, and the storm made landfall right over St. Joseph's Island. And it's interesting to think about all the hurricanes that have passed over that island. I also mentioned in that St. Joseph's Island episode that I do a little duck hunting right there in St. Charles Bay, right right on the other side of St. Joe's Island. And if you put a map dot right on top of where I hunt, uh, the line that was Hurricane Harvey's track runs right through the left half of that dot. So Hurricane Harvey passed, made landfall right over a spot where I spend a significant amount of time, another unfortunate, this time unfortunate personal connection to this historic event. Um, Interestingly, Harvey is only the second Category 4 to hit that area of Texas um, the Indianola hurricane of 1886 was the other one. Now, obviously, Racer Storm that we've discussed on this show in 1837 was probably a five plus. The 1900 storm that hit Galveston certainly was a five. Uh, but they hit other places um, in Texas. One of the more interesting things about Harvey was that that storm strengthened from a tropical depression off the coast of Mexico to a Category 4 hurricane in only 56 hours. Now, I personally have never seen anything like that. Um, and I don't know, the meteorologists in the audience might have some more information in that, but it, Harvey accelerated and grew very, very quickly. If you go back and listen to the episode I did on the actually series of episodes on the 1900 storm, I talk a lot about how hurricanes form. And uh, for this one, it just started spinning faster and faster as it got closer to land. And so by the time it made landfall, It was a very, very significant hurricane. 
I want to mention Rockport and Port Aransas. Uh, the pictures I've seen, both the public pictures and the private pictures I've received from friends down there are not good. Uh, the buildings down there were demolished, most of them. There they're probably in a building in the area not affected in some way. I uh, had friends with, with places down there that were destroyed and friends with places that made it through, as always happens in a hurricane. Uh, the house next door might be wiped off its foundation. Yours might be okay. Uh, but everybody has suffered, and uh, so we need to send our prayers down there. They got the hurricane event. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the track, and then we're going to move to the flood event that resulted from the hurricane. I mentioned that the storm went in right over St. Joe's Island and right over the inland bays in the area. It moved inland several miles, but then it did something very strange. There was a high-pressure ridge above it, and it pushed that storm back to the southeast and offshore, which is a very unusual maneuver. Now, going back to Racer Storm, which we talked about in other episodes, that storm moved all the way up the coast from the Yukonan Peninsula all the way to Mobile, Alabama before turning in, and that, that is a very strange track. Uh, but traditionally, hurricanes come straight in and move inland. Well, this one didn't. It came back and started to go back offshore, which, of course, is very dangerous because the warm Gulf waters that spun it into a Category 4 in only two days were right there to receive it. And it went a little bit offshore, traveled up the coast, and made landfall between Freeport and Galveston again, and then moved off to the north and the northeast, a more traditional track. Well, the result of that odd track was that the northeast and east side of the storm was east of Victoria for the entire duration until the storm moved north of Houston. And that created conditions that added up to historic rainfall in the Houston area. Now, I was, you know, I've lived my entire life in Houston and I was around for Tropical Storm Allison, which up until Harvey was the benchmark that we all used. And I was getting some information Thursday. The storm hit the 25th of Friday. I was getting some information Thursday. Some of the weathermen were talking about how this was going to be twice as bad as Allison, twice as much rain. And I sort of chuckled because we all thought during Allison in 2001 that we would never, ever see a rain event like that ever again. It rained 20 to 30 some odd inches in about 24 hours. And it was, it was certainly devastating. And, uh, we just thought, well, if you get through Allison, you'll get through anything because we'll never see anything like that again. Well, we were wrong. And, uh, so the east and northeast of that storm hovered over the Houston area and the warm Gulf water, because that storm was just right there on the coast, the warm Gulf water just kept feeding it and feeding it. And uh, it kept dumping that water all over the Houston area. Um, the good news, if there can be any in a situation like this, is that we had plenty of time to prepare in the city, in the area. And when I say Houston, I mean the entire area affected by Harvey did in fact prepare. Um, and I think that uh, it's a testament to as much as you can prepare for something like this. And, and the more I think about it, the more I think you really can't prepare for anything like this. But people did did understand what was going to happen, especially those that had been through Allison. And uh, we were as prepared as, as could be. But you got to remember, 
as it became more apparent that the meteorologists were right, we were going to get up to 50 inches of rain. There's really nothing you can do. At some point, you you realize that the power may go out. You realize we might get a little bit of wind from this storm, not a lot. Um, I don't want to take away from the serious hurricane damage that occurred in the Rockport, Port Aransas area, because Houston did not get that. Um, but when you're talking about these floods, you know, you kind of know the areas of Houston that are going to flood. Um, but the flip side of that is if you live in an area that never flooded, including Allison, you have no perspective on what that kind of rain is going to do. People simply didn't know. And that include not just homeowners, that includes officials and meteorologists. We just had no idea. No one, with the exception of Hawaii in the early 50s, has ever experienced 50 inches of rain in a sh- such a short period of time. And so, and you don't know exactly where that rain is going to fall. So when the storm started to make landfall and the rain band started coming late Friday night and Saturday to my area of, of Houston, uh, at that point, you get a little nervous. You just got to hope. You got to hope that your area is going to be okay. Uh, the area I live in now is near one of the bayous in Houston, and uh, of course, we've never se- we've seen hard rain. But uh, this area wasn't built in 2001 when Allison hit, so we truly did not know what was going to happen, and that uh, that certainly is nerve wracking. Well, one of the issues, another issue that we had during this storm, involves some reservoirs to the west of Houston in the area I grew up as a child, and uh, Lake Conroe, which is essential, was dug in the 70s as a reservoir, uh, actually to hold and feed the drinking water supply of Houston, not so much as a storm issue, but what happened was the, the rain fell so much and so fast that the two large reservoirs west of Houston filled up, and there was some danger that they were going to spill over. Now, if it spills over or goes around the end of the levee, you've got a, a real disaster. So the Corps of Engineers decided to start releasing flood water at a rate that coupled with the rainfall on the uh, downriver side of the reservoir resulted in some serious flooding in western parts of Houston that have never before experienced floods. And uh, that flooding, there are friends of mine who just got into their houses the last couple of days. They've been out of their house. Their house has been underwater for over a week. Uh, it destroyed a lot of um, businesses and uh, has caused some some unreal flooding in that area of town. The, uh, the Lake Conroe spillway was opened, and uh, that resulted in some flooding in some northeastern parts of Houston that had never experienced floods before. And uh, even, even in uh, a historic river flood in 1994, these houses didn't flood. Well, they did now. And uh, just untold amount of damage on the northeast side of town. Let me give you some numbers on the some Hurricane Harvey additional numbers here. I believe the largest amount of rainfall recorded during the event was 51.88 inches east of Houston in Mont Bellevue. Um, there are varying estimates of the trillions of gallons of water that all this rain equals. Um, Some counts have it as high as 27 trillion gallons of water. I've heard various, and there's just no way you can get any perspective 
on this, but I've heard some very some comparisons. One person on the radio said it was like a third of Lake Erie was dumped onto the Houston area. Um, another person wrote that that the amount of rain that fell would fill the Astrodome eighty six thousand times. I'm not sure you can really understand what that means, but I heard something very interesting yesterday from someone that the weight of all the water that fell on Houston would cause would push the land down two inches. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, perspective, the weight of all that water. Um, The highest annual rainfall recorded at one of the Houston airports before Hurricane Harvey, now this is for a year, the highest total was 49.7 inches. We got more than that in three days. That, that's unbelievable. Another more current stat uh, compared the rain that fell to the rain that uh, fell in New Orleans during Katrina, which of course was a devastating flood for that city. Uh, the water levels after Katrina were 10 to 20 feet, even after the levees in New Orleans had failed. The rain that fell on Houston, if it had fallen in New Orleans in the same situation, would have been 128 feet. So it's really just an unreal amount of rainfall that fell on uh, the fourth largest city in, in its environs in the country. A couple of other interesting stats direct from the Flood Control District. Um, there's an estimate that 70% of Harris County, now the city of Houston lies within Harris County, and uh, but Harris County is, is much larger than just the city of Houston. 70% of Harris County was covered with up to one and a half feet of water. That is a huge area. Flood control estimates that 136,000 structures would flood. Now that that estimate is done based on property records and the areas that they know, the amount of rain and the amount of water that were in certain areas. So that's not exactly a correct number. I suspect the number is much higher, but that's what the official estimate shows. And it's really just hard to put into words uh, the effect. Uh, We did have uh, several dozen people die in connection with this event. And uh, I want to say, and I'll say it again at the end, but I, I'm not taking anything away from the hurricane event in uh, Port Aransas and Rockport. No, nothing at all. That was a serious uh, storm event. Houston, since since this happened and I was going through it, uh, that's why I'm kind of focused on this flooding, especially given the size and the uh, it was a, a national or world really historic a flood event. But there were some real bright spots in this disaster, and I want to tell you about a few of them. First one I want to talk about uh, two things, the Cajun Navy and uh, the law enforcement cooperation. Uh, my parents, I mentioned, uh, their house flooded. They had to be rescued. It came up very fast. And uh, the Cajun Navy is a group of people from Louisiana who hitch up their boats when a disaster hits, and they drove over here for no other reason than to help people. But they're more than just a bunch of guys with the boats coming over here. They are organized, and we didn't discover this until we were trying to help my parents. My parents, uh, the the water from the river came up so fast that there was no time for them to be rescued by vehicle. We got on the Cajun Navy website, and um, they uh, were very organized, gave you a number took a phone number, everybody got a phone call, uh, everybody had a, had a tag number to reference, cross-reference the people, 
and uh, my parents were actually rescued by law enforcement officials, uh, but the Cajun Navy pulled up as they were getting in the boat. The Cajun Navy people who had been dispatched uh, over the Internet by a group of private citizens just working to help showed up right away. And uh, so big shout-out to the Cajun Navy. Those guys are really, and girls, are really something. There was a great news article in the Chronicle. I'll try to post it on the website about a lady who was looking for a way to help and uh, discovered the Cajun Navy needed some dispatchers, and she writes about her experience doing that, all from her laptop in her house. Really a great story. Uh, so so uh, the Cajun Navy did some great work. Uh, my parents were rescued by game wardens from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, and uh, so obviously big thanks to Florida Fish and Wildlife for doing that. They rescued tons of people over here, and uh, they came all the way from Florida just to help. They didn't have to. They wanted to. And by the way, uh, the Texas game wardens have sent a strike team to Florida to help with Hurricane Irma. The law enforcement, I've seen personally, I've seen cars from um, Arlington, from Fort Worth, from San Antonio. I uh, was helping my parents clean their house out. A Taylor County Sheriff's deputy came up the driveway to check on us. Law enforcement from all over the state of Texas came to Houston and, and to Port A and to Rockport uh, to help in this disaster. And that's just that's just how Texas is, and that's what we do. And so a uh, huge credit to the law enforcement community, our first responders. Uh, firemen, too, they've worked tirelessly during this disaster. Uh, Houston set up two huge shelters in two of our largest structures. We have a convention center downtown, the George R. Brown Convention Center, that became a shelter immediately. Um, shortly thereafter, the NRG Center, which is where the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is held, uh, became a shelter. Uh, it was very organized. It was operating very quickly. Thousands of people were helped. Uh, there were there was food. There was unbelievable amounts of clothes. In fact, at one point during the storm, everybody just said, "Quit bringing clothes because we just can't handle it." That everyone is too generous, and um, that's a good problem to have. But everybody came together to help those in the shelters. The Red Cross obviously sets those shelters up and and runs them very well. Uh, the Salvation Army was absolutely key during this event and. Uh, not just in Houston, but also down where the hurricane actually made landfall. They fed thousands of people. The Salvation Army's ability to do that is just unparalleled. They fed the first responders. In fact, there's a great story I heard uh, that the commander, the Texas commander of the Salvation Army, went down to Rockport, and uh, there were some people that had been, their apartments had been torn down by the storm, and they were really in trouble, and uh, nobody had been there. Nobody had come to them. Uh, nobody, this was right right after the storm, and, you know, everybody's running around doing uh, first responders, obviously prioritizing safety and life safety and fire issues. And he rolled up there to this apartment complex with a food truck and that Salvation Army logo. And one of the people in that apartment looked at him. He goes, saw that logo and said, I knew you would come. And I just think that's a great story, great testament to what the Salvation Army and all these relief organizations do. Um, I had several friends that set up impromptu barbecues, guys that like to cook. It will not surprise any listener that I have a lot of friends that like to cook barbecue. And guys got together and, and girls, and they set up their barbecue pits, and they just started cooking and feeding police and feeding fire and feeding victims. We were cleaning my parents' house up, and 
a Methodist church from outside the Houston area showed up with lunches, just walked up the driveway and gave them to us. I mean, it's just amazing how the people came together. Um, downtown Houston, there's something set up called Operation Barbecue, which is feeding all the relief workers and first responders and barbecue teams, competitive barbecue teams from the area have set up, and uh, they're getting that done. I read a, a very interesting interview with the president of HEB, one of the large grocery chains in Texas that I'm sure all of the Texans listening are familiar with, and some of the things they were able to do. They had, uh, uh, it was kind of interesting, you never think about how this works from a grocery store perspective. They had a lot of stores flooded, but um, uh, they sent tons of water to Beaumont, and they started uh, to know what to do. Is very interesting. They had, um, they talked to their suppliers, one of the one of the the interview I read that they sort of bypass the warehouse and they talk to the suppliers of paper goods and tell them to send it directly uh, to the distribution to the uh, stores, excuse me, because they need it right out of the stores. And if there's been flooding in these kind of disasters, which of course was the disaster in Houston, that people really want mops, they want bleach, they want bread. Uh, you know, they don't care for a while about flowers, that sort of thing. They talked about the the factory where H-E-B makes its bread uh, quit making everything except white bread, wheat bread, and hot dog buns because that's all anybody wants. It, it was very interesting. You can find that on the Internet. I'll try to link to that on the website. One of the great stories to come out of this storm was J.J. Watt, who got on Twitter. Houston Texans football star got on Twitter. He said, I want to raise $100,000. I'm going to match it, and we're going to give it to Hurricane Relief within – minutes. It, he raised the goal to $200,000. Uh, J.J. Watt's fund has now raised over $30 million. And uh, that's just a wonderful testament to leveraging what he had to give, which was celebrity, um, and l- leveraging that into just tens of millions of dollars for storm victims. And, and he's done a lot more than just raise money. There are plenty of pictures going around to him out there with the victims, hauling debris, helping his community. Um, one of the things that struck me with all these stories and, and as we start to recover is, is how surprised people who are not from Texas are. I read an article in a northern newspaper that was just, the guy was struck and just awestruck by the fact that Texans do this, where, whereas we were sitting around before the storm preparing to do this, preparing to help each other. Um, you shouldn't be surprised. This is just what Texas does. And uh, some of these people who aren't from Texas who are so gosh darn surprised at how we come together despite uh, race, creed, color, politics, religion doesn't matter. We're all Texans first. And never does that shine brighter than when some of our fellow Texans are in trouble. And I'm just so proud of this state. Um, Well, Hurricane Harvey, and I want to mention one more time, uh, the people in Port A and Rockport need our help. It's not just Houston. And, of course, the people in Beaumont and the people in western Louisiana, they also need the Beaumont area, not just Beaumont, Orange, Viter, everyone around there. There's still a lot of work to be done to get past this. Um, But I'll tell you, we're on our way. Um, I'm recording and releasing this on Sunday, September the 10th, 2017. And this morning, at about 8 o'clock Central Time, um, Hurricane Irma made landfall as possibly the strongest hurricane in recorded 
history. Now we don't we don't have records of how strong the 1900 storm was, uh, or racer storm in 1837, uh, but when Irma made landfall, I believe it to be the strongest hurricane in recorded history, and the people in Florida uh, are suffering that hurricane right now. And um, I'm going to tell you what I saw yesterday. I was driving from Austin to Houston, and uh, it's a testament, again, to Texans. As we're in the midst of recovering from Harvey, I saw a convoy of utility workers waving Texas flags on their trucks, on their way down I-10, headed to Florida, because we're Texans, and that's what we do. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Wise About Texas, a bonus episode on Hurricane Harvey. I hope you and yours got through the storm. Uh, If you were affected by it, my prayers are with you. The prayers of of all Texans are with you. Um, Several people died as a result of Hurricane Harvey, and every life is important, but I want to dedicate this bonus episode to Sergeant Steve Perez of the Houston Police Department. Sergeant Perez was encouraged by his family not to go into work in the middle of the night during this historic rainfall in Houston, but he wasn't going to have it. A 30-year-plus veteran of the Houston Police Department, he did what first responders do. He went toward the storm because he knew he would be needed to help. And unfortunately, uh, an intersection had flooded faster than anyone could have anticipated. And Sergeant Perez was in his patrol car and drove into the high water, was unable to escape, and lost his life serving his fellow man. So this episode of Wise About Texas is dedicated to Sergeant Steve Perez. Well, we made it through Harvey, and we're going to recover. Our prayers go out to the people in Florida dealing with Hurricane Irma right now. Don't worry. Texans are going to be there to help you. The Texas game wardens are already over there, and uh, Florida is going to recover too. Stay safe out there, everyone. Go out there and, and do something to help the victims of Harvey. Do something to help the victims of Irma. You don't have to donate money. You can go tear sheetrock out. You can go help people recover from this storm. That's doing something for Texas. Until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.